You are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. All right, it's the Storm Tracker Podcast, and today we found out, Frank, that TVD is going to be the starter against North Carolina. So just wanted to find out, you know, from you, man, uh, I got some thoughts about it. Um, you know, wh- what do you think about TVD starting against North Carolina this Saturday over Jake Garcia? I mean, I, I understand the decision. Um, he, he's got the resume that backs up having a couple of bad games. I, I think this is going to be the big fork in the road for the rest of the season. Depending on how you play against North Carolina, which is kind of a mid-tier ACC program right now, that's kind of going to give you an idea if we're good enough to play with the Clemsons, the Wake Forests of the world right now, even Syracuse, right? I would probably put Syracuse on a higher total pole than us in the ACC, which is extremely disappointing considering the expectations at the start of the year. But just going back to watch the press conference earlier today over again, it, it seems like they still have confidence in Van Dyke. Uh, you know, there were some things that they need to change, tweaked uh, in, in regards to the scheme personnel-wise. The big question is, is there going to be enough guys skill position-wise for TVD to even be successful if he plays a perfect game? Yeah, no Elijah Royo potentially. You, you could be missing your top two back. So it, it's I like the idea of having consistency at the quarterback position. And maybe they think it's better to have a guy that's proven himself on high levels in the past. So I understand the decision. I would have loved to see Jake just because the idea of he's the exciting choice, right? He's the unknown. We've kind of seen what Van Dyke has done this year. So I think the idea of having Jake in there as the confident backup who came in and almost brought us back to a victory would have been fun to see. Yeah, I personally think it's the right move as well. Uh, just because, well, for two reasons, um, TVD kind of earned uh, the right, I guess you could say, to to be the starter based on his performance from last year, and he has seniority over over a TVD right now. So as far as you know, just kind of being with the program just a a year longer, I think that um, TVD kind of earns the right to to at least give it a shot in this game because potentially if you if you put Jake Garcia in this game then um he may not ever relinquish that spot and then TVD is you know kind of the outside guy looking in never coming back into the game and potentially transferring out and Jake you know I think if he doesn't you know play another down for the rest of the season I I still think he sticks with the program um here at Miami and and, um, you know, you have that quarterback in waiting. So I think that is part of the strategy. Um, and, and then the scheme, hopefully the scheme really kind of opens up uh, this Saturday against North Carolina because North Carolina is going to put up some points, man. Uh, they're averaging over 40 points a game. And Drake May is looking like TVD of last year. And... I think TVD has a chance to really show what kind of quarterback he can be. And like I said before, too, uh, he he uh, definitely should uh, use his legs more. I really feel like he should he should use his legs more uh, in 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 this game to really produce some first downs. 
Yeah, the extension of plays. I don't want I don't want this to die on you. <laughs> oh, gotcha, gotcha. But I, I totally agree with you. Just because having the threat, and we talked about this before um, on the podcast, having the threat of the quarterback being that eleventh player that the defense has to account for uh, is is definitely important. Um, so I totally agree with you. Um, I, I I think that the offense isn't going to change too much team wise. I think Van Dyke really just has to trust his receivers. Um, and, and I hope that he can kind of right the ship this week because I really don't want to see a Jaron Williams, Nikoski Perry type situation again, where we're going back right. and forth quarterbacks. Uh, and, and we want to see TBD be TBD. We want to see the guy that got everybody excited for the 2022 season and the guy that had the expectations of being in the conversation for national awards. It's still – it's still early in the year, really, and we're go- diving into ACC play now. This is the time to prove it, and this is where he was successful, really, last year. He didn't really jump in until, like, you know, four four games into the year. So I think this is an opportunity to, to see the best TVD possible. Uh, I'm kind of glad they got those ugly games out of the way early in the season. Yeah, how big is this game, though, Frank? I mean – this game could be is pivotal, you know. If if they lose this game, I mean, just, I mean, it doesn't end their season by by any stretch, but in the public eye and aesthetically, it will look bad. It will look bad after two disappointing losses. You know, uh, one loss to Texas A and M, a game that you feel you you left some plays on the field, and and then and a complete embarrassment of the middle Tennessee. And then they lose to their first ACC opponent uh, in North Carolina. Uh, the fan base is not going to be very forgiving that. I mean, that's, that's what I, I kind of worry about with this game, but on the, on the flip side, uh, if you can turn around and win this game, then all of a sudden, you know, everybody's um, happy about the hurricanes again and then feeling like they can win the coastal because, uh, this is their first ACC game. So if they win this game, they actually go to the top of the division um, if they if they win the game because there are no undefeated teams in the ACC, um, I believe, in, in the Coastal. Um, as of yet, all the undefeated teams are in that Atlantic division. Now, I remember you talking about Syracuse. Like, Syracuse is a team that I actually think Miami could actually beat. I don't think they've really proven themselves yet. Uh, that they can really um, hang with the, the the top level teams in the ACC, who I consider are just uh, Clemson and Wake Forest. To be honest, um, every every other team in the ACC, I think, is a middle of the road type of team. I even think the teams at the bottom, which we saw last week with Georgia Tech beating Pittsburgh, can beat anybody in the conference except for the, maybe those top two teams. So. This is such a pivotal game for the Hurricanes. Um, it, it's a prove-it moment for this coaching staff and this team uh, to see if they can really hang with the ACC and really have a chance to make it to Charlotte when it's all said and done. Yeah, I think I think it's a bigger game for me because we've had so many issues in the past coming out of bye weeks with Manny Diaz. They were always terrible coming out of bye weeks and I think that's one of the big things that we wanted to see a change in the program was preparation uh 
in all aspects of the program. And this is just another stepping stone in that development. If you can grab a win out of the bye week and get momentum going, right? I, I don't think the S I don't think that the expectation or the I don't really think right now people are talking about ACC championship play, right? I think you want to get to eight or nine wins, have a solid season and kind of build momentum towards next year, right? Kind of win the games you're supposed to win. And I still think North Carolina is one of those games that they're supposed to win. This is a team that struggled against Appalachian State. Obviously, Miami has had their struggles uh, against lesser opponents so far this year. But still, you have the talent, even regardless of injury, to be able to beat a North Carolina team that's kind of relying on a freshman quarterback that is talented, but not as experienced as, as Van Dyke. So I think this is going to be a quarterback battle. I think their defense is absolutely atrocious. I think this is a get right game for the offense. I think Josh Gaddis is still the guy, uh, you know, I, I, I am not uh, opposed to the scheme. I don't think it's, a, there's, there's an issue with the scheme. I think we saw the potential of what the scheme could do with Jake Garcia in there. You can't be gun shy in this offense because the opportunities to go vertical are going to be kind of limited just because of the power run aspect of the scheme. So when those opportunities are there, you got to jump on them. And I think this is a confidence building game for Van Dyke. And I would love to see him get right. And I think this is the perfect moment for it against a subpar defense first game in the ACC play against an opponent that, you know, we've kind of had some issues with in the past and, uh, you know, it, they're kind of on the down slope of their trajectory, I guess you could say, with, with in Mac Brown's tenure. Um, so kind of solidifying their self on the totem pole ahead in North Carolina is extremely important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, North Carolina is a team that has been recruiting on the same level you could say as Miami for the past couple of years. So I'm not surprised that uh, they are as explosive as they are offensively. I am surprised at that defense, not being, being able to hold anyone. Um, but I wanted to get an idea from you. What, what, what do you think? How many points do you think Miami needs to score in this game to win? think they got to hit like 38 plus just to win this game. I don't trust the corners outside of Porter right now. And I think that they have enough speed on the outside to really give us some issues. I think that they still have some offensive skill talent at, at running back in, in the slots to give us some problems with our linebackers. Um, I think they're going to score points. Drake may was one of the top quarterbacks in the country. I believe he was committed to Alabama at one point and flipped to North Carolina because his brother, if you guys are following basketball by any chance, uh, was a big time uh, like March Madness type hero at North Carolina. So uh, he's 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 a really good player. He's a really good player, and we're seeing it so far through the early part of the year. I I, I think this is going to be a shootout, and I I think if you can't score points once again, you're going to have trouble winning this game. Uh, I, I I love Coach Steele. Uh, I think his personality shined through in the press conference today. Uh, I think that there is definitely a difference in uh, the scheme defensively, and, and I'm a fan of it. I think the defensive line play has been excellent. I think despite the athletic limitations of the linebackers, they've been uh, you know, way better than we've seen in the past. And I think that just like Mario said, you're going to have to run man coverage in college football. And 
the guys are going to have to step up and play. And right now we're not seeing that. So I'm, I'm hopeful that they can get a few stops, maybe a couple of turnovers against the young quarterback. Uh, you know, James Williams being opportunistic. We got Cam Kitchens who's playing really good football right now to the start of the year. I think this is going to be a breakout game for Daryl Porter. Um, but I still think that they're going to score some points, probably 30, close to 35 at least. Um, and I think that the offense needs to needs to finally put up some points. I think Miami has to score like 40 points to win this game, <laughs> to be honest, um, because this is a team averaging that much. It's averaging about 42, 43 points a game. So I think Miami has to hit – like 45 or so in this game to win. I also think, like you said, turnovers is going to be key. I mean, uh, they they got a couple of turnovers this season, the Hurricanes did, but I think they need multiple turnovers to assure themselves of a victory on Saturday. And that's probably going to start with pressure on the quarterback. Can they get pressure on Drake May? I mean, from what I've seen, uh, they were able to protect him really well, especially in that last game against Virginia Tech. And also in that game, they held Virginia Tech to just 10 points, albeit Virginia Tech doesn't have a great offense. But still, uh, you, you hold any any Power 5 team to, to 10 points, then, then, then that's uh, pretty good. Um, so, yeah, I do think that they do have to score – somewhat somewhere around 45 points i mean but but frank man what i fear is that is a game like we saw north carolina play uh against miami i think it was two years ago where they ran up and down the field it was just in a ridiculous rushing assault from what i remember over 300 yards and they just couldn't keep up with uh, the Tar Heels. I fear that this is going to be one of those type of games. But, you know, um, sometimes I'm a betting man, Frank, as you know this, and I tend to look at the odds and the line and whatnot. <laughs> and just to see that this game has Miami favored by four is really interesting to me. It really means that they believe that Miami will bounce back after a bye. And I'm I'm a little confused on that as, as to why they have them as four-point favorites over a North Carolina team that is putting up over 40 points a game. But I do think uh, the, uh, Miami has to score like 45 and get two turnovers in order, in order for them to win this game because I think North Carolina is going to be able to move the ball on Miami. Nothing tells me – Otherwise, when, you know, they, they did it against, you know, basically every team they played except for Notre Dame, which is the one game that they lost, and they still scored 32 points there. Maybe that could be, you know, the the final score of this one. But um, Miami's going to have to be ready to, to put some points on the board, and they can't be discouraged if they get down early. I think the one X factor in this game and, and coach Steele talked about it in the press conference today was his familiarity with the coaching staff, uh, especially the offensive coaching staff at North Carolina. Uh, it's, it's not a complex scheme. And he said that, so I, I like the idea of 
Miami being able to control the line of scrimmage. I think that they have the dogs up front to be able to do that. The rotation of the defensive line has been pretty successful so far this year against the run. Uh, maybe not the sack numbers that we would love to see, but I think it's been decent uh, to say the least. Um, I think linebacker play against the run has been solid. Um, I think the weak link is really just uh, the, the passing game, you know, just being able to stop the passing game, especially, uh, you know, when Corey flag is in coverage uh, that that's something that, that, that worries me against those slot receivers. Um, you know, their number one receiver, I believe comes back in this game. So we'll see, we'll see if DJ Ivy can have another Texas A&M type performance. We can, you know, Tyreek Stevenson's a little bit banged up. I think this is an opportunity for him, to, for Daryl Porter to jump in at that spot um, and, and earn a lot of earn a lot of snaps moving forward. Um, and I think that uh, Cam Kitchens is going to be huge in this game as the free safety in this defense. So um, I, I I don't anticipate it being like the North Carolina game a couple of years ago, but I do think it's going to be an exciting game if you like to watch offense. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the, the Hurricanes have to be opportunistic in this game. Uh, they may have to take some risks and uh, try to strip the ball and and maybe jump some routes. I know that's probably scary for people to hear because uh, jumping routes usually leads up to big plays. But I think if you don't make an interception or, or play on the football, of course, but um, – I, I want to see the Hurricanes really just not give up any big plays in this game, you know, because, you know, looking back at that Middle Tennessee game, uh, Coach Steele kind of uh, said this earlier today that the defense really played well aside from those five big plays. If you take away those five big plays, then Miami probably wins the game. But, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda don't, don't give you Ws. So it's it's – imperative for them i think just to not give up the big play because that will kind of give the team and 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 the people supporting the team in the stadium that here we go again type of feeling and kind of want to keep the spirits up and if you can kind of make it similar to a texas a&m type of uh defensive uh performance where you are limiting their big plays and obviously it's a different type of offense different type of quarterback um but if you could just limit their big plays and just set uh you know just live with them getting into the red zone and just kind of take your chances in the red zone then i think miami has a, a good chance to win this game so um so yeah man uh we'll see it should be an exciting one uh you want to give a score or not nah? I'd say Miami wins 45 to 35. Okay. I will go with uh I will go with uh 45 44. Let's Whoa. just go like that. <laughs> let's just let's just just go. I don't know how they're going to get that 44 but somehow they will. <laughs> We're, we're, we're going to go with that. So I wonder what the over over under is on that game. You might want to bet the over in this game. But anyways, um, some unfortunate news that we did hear about the Hurricanes this week is that 
Arroyo is, apparently got banged up. Um, the tight end for Miami, Elijah Arroyo, uh, potentially will be out for this game Saturday. Now, we we were screaming for, for Arroyo to get more touches for, you know, a few weeks now. And uh, from what we learned today, uh, he was injured in the Middle Tennessee State game. So it could be a reason why we didn't see more of him in that game. So uh, did not get an update from Coach Cristobal when it came to Jalen Knighton, Henry Parrish. Uh, the Daryl Porter injury um, was said not to be serious right after that Middle Tennessee State game, uh, but no update on him either. He's expected to play. So is Tyreek Stevenson and Lou Headley. Um, um, as a result of, uh, you know, uh, some injuries that, that they suffered during the game, before the game against Middle Tennessee State uh, report on KeensCounty.com, uh, leading us to believe that they all will be playing on on Saturday. But um, what do you think that impact of Arroyo potentially not playing will have on the Hurricanes? Oh, I think that hurts, man, because – we're already down multiple guys in the receiver room, and he was essentially a jumbo receiver at a lot of in a lot of different ways. He didn't recruit Elijah Arroyo to be a blocking tight end. He, he's an explosive player. We've seen him, you know, break 20, 20 yard plays um, on several different occasions. Um, he's an exciting player to say the least, um, and and I think he's a real NFL prospect. So so losing him in this passing game definitely hurts especially with the two tight end sets, three tight end sets uh, that Coach Gaddis loves to utilize. It's going to be a big opportunity for guys like Khalil Brantley and, and Jaleel Skinner, though, uh, and uh, maybe a get-right moment for Will Mallory. We, we've we've seen him break out at times, and there have been uh, moments this year where he has not been the Will Mallory that we would love to see, right? It, th- there's a reason that Brevin Jordan was so highly regarded and Will Mallory was kind of seen as option B. We want him to, to jump up and be that alpha in that receiver room right now that is kind of limited. So this is a big opportunity for him. Him and TVD are so close. Uh, so this could be a TVD to Mallory type game. I think the biggest loss out of, out of uh, the press conference updates was uh, we're not going to see uh, Restrepo for at least six weeks. Um, yeah, six more weeks. So that's that's a that's a tough uh, tough thing to hear. So probably like not until the end of the year. Yeah, it's especially with the way we've seen the passing game go with him out of it. Uh, I, I want Restrepo back in this offense. Bad. He's the alpha definitively. And also Jacoby George. They said low end two to three more weeks. High end four to five more weeks. That's it's another tough thing to hear. So if you're without arguably the top two receivers in this offense for five plus weeks. Um, they better figure some things out with the guys that are currently in place uh, at, as soon as this week, right? Because Frank Ladson had had a solid performance, but six catches for 65 yards isn't always going to cut it. Uh, Keyshawn Smith finally had that vertical play that we've been waiting for so long, 39-yard catch from Jake Garcia. He had four catches for 81 yards himself. Uh, you got to see more of that. You got to see more of that. We, 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 and you got to see it for a full game. We saw some second half life uh, from some of the receivers. Um, but free Romello Brinson. That's all I'm going to say about that. He's 
We need to see more. I've been clamoring for yeah, Romello Brinson to be to be one of the guys utilizing this offense, but instead we're we're using him as a reverse guy, and that was not even him in high school. He, throw it up to the 6'2", 180-pound freak of nature on the outside and let him do his work. Yeah, man. Yeah, I I definitely want to see more or of Mello for sure. I definitely want to see some more Brashard Smith in, in in the open field. We need some explosive plays, and we're so lacking on it on an explosive play. I mean, you could. Uh, I mean, we had one really explosive play all year. I mean, really, right? The the one play to Keyshawn Smith. You had that Keyshawn Smith. You also had Restrepo had a fifty yard touchdown. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, so uh, since Restrepo has been gone, it's been that 39-yard catch, uh, the 28-yard catch on the wheel to Elijah Arroyo, um, and, and that's pretty much it. It's really just been kind of dink and dunk, 14-plus play drives when we do score. Um, you you kind of want to see some four for 80. Um, you want to see some some five for 70. Um, you know, let's make some things happen, quick drives against this explosive North Carolina offense. Yeah, de- definitely want to see that. I definitely want to see some kind of big plays, some explosive plays. Hopefully Jalen Knighton is, is okay and he can get back to form. Um, you know, I, I would imagine he's he's not 100%, hasn't really been all year, and I, I, I miss him in this offense. I miss uh, really kind of seeing him you know, being that explosive player in the open field, making guys miss. I mean, the the one time you saw so, some, you saw a player make a guy miss was that one play. Uh, Jacoby George um, made made the guy trip in front of him in, in the Texas A and M game, but then he tripped over him. <laughs> <laughs> trying, trying to hurt him, should have just yeah. went around him. Exactly, exactly. That was like the one play where you saw. Some some playmaking ability in the open field, and it it's it, uh, it's kind of sad to, to to say that about our Miami team because Miami was always known to have these explosive players. Uh, we can go, we can have a a whole podcast just talking about the explosive players that have played for the U over the years, and and uh, now uh, Bashard Smith and uh, Jalen Knighton. Uh, have to uh, uh, have to be the guys, right? Like those are the those are the only real explosive players we have uh, on this team, and that's that's why. Yeah, I picked Miami to win, but I'm not betting it, bro. <laughs> not betting it at all. I mean, I think I, if there's any moment, I think if there's any game where it can happen, it's this one, just because of how. How lax North Carolina is on defense, right? The limitations that they have, um, you know, that they, they, they people score on at will on them. I think there was what sixty points scored in that App State fourth quarter game. <laughs> it was, it was. A, we're watching it, uh, you know, in the press box, and we were like, "There, there they go again. There they yeah. go again." And uh, I think that this is a get-right game, like I said before, and. I think there's an opportunity there for, for a lot of guys to build confidence. I think that's a big thing with Brashard Smith. I think Keyshawn Smith, we could see some momentum with him. Yeah, he finally had that game where we saw him utilized as a guy who can be a 20-plus yards per catch type player. 
And I, I think that there are guys with the skill set to be sex, successful in this offense, right? There, there are roles to be played. You have a Frank Ladson who's a big body that can be that possession guy for TVD. Uh, you, you got Brashard Smith that can be utilized as that intermediate to vertical threat. Um, you know, obviously we want to see more consistency with him catching the football, but he's got that skill set. Keyshawn Smith can be that vertical guy. Uh, I think they utilize the bye week to, to put guys into in position in what the scheme asks for. Um, and I think this was a much needed break uh, for this team, especially health wise. We're going to need some creativity though, Frank, man, uh, because, you know, my thing, like, I don't know, Marcus, creativity is there. I think the creativity is there. I think guys I are open, it. but I guys I are open. It, I just watched a full day of NFL football yesterday and I, yeah, I can't compare the NFL to the to college football game, but I saw a ton of creativity in, in a lot of those plays, including the Dolphins game against Cincinnati, which I watched. It was just a ton of creativity. And, and I was like, why don't I see this with the Miami Hurricanes? And, yeah, like I said, NFL, college football is different, but I just don't see the creativity. I think we're going to see it. I think we're going to see it. I think Josh Gaddis has shown it in the past. I think that he has the scheme to be able to do it. Obviously, this is not like a Texas Tech or – uh, you know, a, a Baylor type offense where they're going to throw the ball 55 times, 60 times, and it's going to be bombs over Baghdad every play. Um, but I think that we have schemed guys open this year and, and the utilization of, uh, you know, guys in certain roles sometimes hasn't been there. And I think that's where the coaching has lacked more so personnel than an actual play calling. Um, and I think that this is a game where we're going to see it, right? Because the guys are going to be open again. It's just a matter of, is Van Dyke confident enough? Is he out of his head uh, to be able to utilize his receivers that are open? And I think that we're going to see that. I think I honestly think this is the get-right game. I'm not really worried so much about this. I'm more so worried about, like, the, the you know, the Clemsons of the world, right? And I think that you got your scare, right, early on in the year. You're 2-2. Two and two. Uh, this no is a coaching staff. I'm not saying that they beat Clemson. I'm saying that I think that they can go through ACC play and still win eight, nine games this year. I, I'm, I'm confident in that because I'm, I'm, I think the coaching staff is in place. They're proven um, to, to make those things happen. I think they have confidence in their players. Um, and, and I think that, you know, the, the scheme on both sides of the ball is there. I think it's more so the players executing those plays. Okay, well, we will see, said the blind man, on Saturday, who wins at Hard Rock's 8 and 4 o'clock kick, ESPN 2, 560 WQAM. So let's move on to recruiting because, you know, you and I, we love recruiting. And um, you spoke to a 2023 wide receiver that Miami is looking at, at the on the West Coast. So uh, just kind of tell me about him. Tayshawn Lyons, speedster. Uh, if you watch the tape, he's very similar to Jalen Brown. Uh, you know, 6'2", 170 pounds. Uh, he's been clocked at a 444 uh, laser time. Um, he's, he's, you know, a long jump uh, state qualifier. Um, you know, he's, he's shooting for 10, 5, 10, 6 times in track in the 100 meter uh, at, in, for the next track season. He's a, he's a speedster. He's got 
playmaking potential as a punt returner, as a reverse guy, uh, limited route tree in a lot of different ways, just because it's high school. You don't really see a lot of guys, uh, you know, run the whole tree, but I think that he's a perfect complement to what we already have in the class and Robbie and Ray Ray and the kid uh, loves Miami. He loves Miami. I, him and Jaden Rashada have a previous relationship. Uh, so that's another positive, uh, you know, development in that recruitment. Frank Ponce was actually at the school last week to meet him personally. So that means, you know, they're serious about recruiting him and making him the third receiver in this class. Uh, I don't think that he's a guy that comes in and starts right away, but I think he's a high ceiling prospect uh, that, that brings much needed speed, contested catch ability, and just special teams, uh, you know, upside uh, that can fill a number of different roles for this team. I think that um, I, I wouldn't put a prediction on it right now just because Notre Dame got a recent visit from him. They've been recruiting him really hard. Uh, it is quite the trek to get from a kid from California to Florida, but the staff has seemed to do that really well. Um, and I think if yeah. Jaden Rashad is pushing for this kid, there's a chance that he ends up in this class. Well, that's great news about the 2023 class for the receiver group, because I was at the American Heritage uh, Cardinal Gibbons game and I had a chance to speak with Brandon Ennis and Brandon Ennis is arguably the best receiver of the class from down here in South Florida, American Heritage Plantation. And um, I posted a video on canescounty.com and on, on the YouTube uh, uh, page as well, live from Canes County. And just my feeling of, of the interview, Frank, is that Miami is going to be – they. I don't think they flip uh, Brandon Ennis. It's just my opinion. Um, of course, things change in recruiting all the time. He may end up flipping to Miami tomorrow. Who knows? Things happen, right? But as of right now, I just don't believe that Brandon Ennis would be flipping to the Hurricanes. I, I mean, a lot of it does depend on on the season and kind of how it turns out. I mean, if if by some miraculous feat Miami ends up winning the Coastal and 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 dare I say it, win the ACC, then then every recruit or prospect is on the table. But as of now, I just don't feel like based on my conversation with him, I, I don't think Brandon Ennis is, is flipping to Miami, nor do I think uh, Mark Fletcher is as well. I know the, those are two kids that we're going to continue to cover throughout the season to see kind of what happens with, with, with both to see if they indeed sign with Ohio State. But if Ohio State – remains in the top five like they are and and a lot of people think that that team is the best team in the country right now i just do not see it frank i i don't see uh, if if they're depending on flipping um you know players i understand some players they have better chances uh, than others i think they have a better chance to flip like jalen brown for example with that 2023 class than a brandon ennis or, or mark fletcher However, well, when I did speak to Damari Brown, I started to feel really optimistic about him and his situation with Miami. I, I think um, it's Miami's to lose uh, with Damari Brown. Uh, I think if uh, teams like it seems like Florida State is is the closest second 
uh, right now to, to his recruitment. And, and his dad played with Randy Shannon at Miami. And Randy Shannon is over there, a part of that Florida State coaching staff right now. So uh, he, he does have a visit coming up with, uh, with the Seminoles when they play Clemson. So we'll see how that visit goes and how he feels after that. But right now, I think Miami is in the driver's seat here. Uh, he was supposed to visit sept in September, so there was some kind of lack of communication between him and uh, the Hurricanes with that visit. Um, he attested to, to being a, a lack of a miscommunication, uh, but he does intend to visit for the Miami versus Florida State game. I do think Miami has a really, really great chance uh, to, to land Amari Brown. I spoke to Damon Fagan as well. Um, they're still actively recruiting Fagan. Still don't have a true safety um, on the 20, in, in the 2023 class as of yet. Uh, definitely could be a possibility, but uh, with even with NC State, I mean, that's a team that's, you know, uh, played toe-to-toe -to -toe with Clemson for a good three quarters uh last saturday so it's hard to see that happening as well but but you never know but i left i left that game uh feeling feeling good about damari brown not so good about brandon ennis or mark fletcher yeah i'm of the same sentiment i i think that the only way that they get brandon ennis and or mark fletcher is if they finish out really strong uh and and i think that mark fletcher is probably a better a chance to end up in this class than Brandon Ennis. I think that if you look at just the development of, of Ohio State at the receiver position, it, it's it's head and shoulders better than pretty much everybody in the country, except for maybe like in Alabama. Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, or Marvin Harrison the third is is a kid that's going to end up being a first round draft pick. You know, the Jackson and uh, Njibo kid is is going to be a first round draft pick. The, the, Absolutely. It's 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 one year every year they got a guy or two that goes first round. So I, I think that's going to be the tough part about it. The, the relationship with Brian Hartline. Brian Hartline was down here for the Chaminade game, meaning that they're still pressing. They're not you know sitting back and, and not recruiting him. Uh, they know how valuable Brandon Ennis is to this class. I do think that there's a chance Mark Fletcher still flips. I think that they're kind of zeroed in on him as the running back of this class, along with. Uh, Chris Johnson. Um, so I, I still think that there's an opportunity there. And But the Damian Fagan thing is something to watch, right? Because especially because, uh, you know, North Carolina State's coaches and he's in, in a lot of different rumors for, you know, at some of the top jobs in the country, the Wisconsin to the world, uh, places like that. So um, if something like that happens, I could see a potential flip uh, for Damian Fagan. I think Damari Brown is locked into Miami unless Ohio State jumps in. I don't think Florida State has a real shot at landing uh, Damari. I think he's kicking the tires just to see what his options are. Guy Lemonier is a, is a coach there as well who has South Florida Express connection to him. Uh, and then obviously the connection to Randy Shannon is important as well to his father. But uh, dad wants him to stay home. I don't think he wants him going to FSU despite Randy Shannon coaching there. And I think that the kid loves Miami. I think he does like the idea of being a Miami Hurricane, I I do think he likes the idea of also playing at Ohio State as well, and you cannot blame him for that. Ohio State's also done numbers at, at the cornerback position. So um, 
something yeah. to watch there. Ohio State was interested in him after the Chaminade game. Yeah, he didn't mention anything about Ohio State, but he did also mention Alabama as well. Uh, Alabama was a team that he said he he may uh, go out and visit. Uh, he said he's been in contact with Coach uh, T. Rob, uh, who was a former defensive back coach here at Miami. Um, now they're at Alabama, so Alabama could be, um, you know, a possibility for him to visit as well. So um, he did say that there was no uh, no plans to visit Clemson, which I found kind of interesting um, because, you know, he seemed pretty, pretty high on Clemson at the beginning of the season. So I'm not sure exactly what happened between him and Clemson, but uh, no plans to visit Clemson at all. And, and that was the school that he watched uh, growing up as a kid, Clemson. So that was interesting to kind of hear that uh, from Damari Brown. Um, but uh, I mean, that's, that's, that, that's it as far as, uh, as far as recruiting is concerned. Um, you know, Miami's still, still looking to flip some guys, you know, um, but I did hear that they are looking for, they are, actively looking for another run another uh, linebacker they're of course looking for at least i heard at least two to three running backs that they're looking to uh get in this class uh they're trying to get two to three defensive backs uh from what i hear um those are really kind of the high priority positions at this point obviously you can kind of tell that just by looking at the class and the numbers uh, but um, those are those are the positions of need from what I'm hearing from the team. Yeah, it's going to, you know, they're pushing hard for Stan Quan Clark over at Miami Central. And a name to watch in recruiting because they are starting to kick the tires on him is uh, Kateris Blue Hicks uh, from, really? from Miami Central. Needy, speedy receiver. Yeah, Charlie Strong uh, and, and, um, and another coach went to go see him play uh, last week. Um, he did score a, a big kick return touchdown. Had a nice catch along the oh, sidelines. Yeah, return, okay. And a kick return. So uh, speed is something that. I'm sorry. I said blue hunnets. Blue hunnets, yeah, blue hunnets. Mm-hmm. There, there's, you know, I, I, I think he was a late riser in recruiting, and and, and Louisville uh, really took the chance and, and took his commitment early, knowing that something like this might happen, just because he is so explosive. So uh, that's another receiver to potentially watch as a new name on the board. But Stanquan Clark is a guy that everybody in the country is starting to realize is an elite level player. Um, he was at Auburn this weekend. Um, Miami is pushing really hard for him. Um, they're going to try to get him back on campus um, soon. Uh, and yeah, it, those are two names to watch going forward in 2023. Okay, nice. Katara Six didn't didn't know about that, but the only thing that I worry about that is that he's another small receiver, and you know to go with Bobby and and uh, I'm sorry, Robbie and uh, and and Ray Ray, it's it's not the ideal size position, but definitely skill. He he's he's one of the best. I mean, I I love watching him play. Always beats his man in man or uh, zone coverage finds finds the soft spots in zone coverage, uh, and he just can catch. The kid can catch, bro. 
Like, yeah, like I, I and you can't I probably ever, three speed. ever drop a ball. And, and, and a lot of the times those balls are not even in his vicinity and he's still able to come up with the catches. Yeah. And you, and you can't go wrong with four, three speed. If you can, if yeah. you can bring an influx of kids with, with, with speed and the potential to be special teams assets as well. Those are, those are things Miami needs right now. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So that's going to wrap it up for the storm tracker podcast. Until the next episode.